Welcome everybody to the Tag Your Hit Podcast, and just right now, my voice decided to uh, do something weird, but I'm Ray Ray. <laughs> I am David Van Bever. Sometimes I say Dave, sometimes I say David Van Bever. Yeah. There really is no distinction. I'm, I'm the same person. Yes, you are the just same person. Just depending on how I feel to say my name. But you're not the same person as you were yesterday. Nor... And a few minutes ago. Yeah, a few minutes ago or forever. You know that you are being sanctified by the word of God into the image of Christ and that you'll be different tomorrow. Yes. Yes, that's awesome. But <laughs> I had to do that. Lewis Carroll but, got that right yes. in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, yes. So uh, this uh, show, we are joined on the line with Will Hoffman. And I just wanted to um, introduce to you, he's been on our podcast before, but now... He is a part of the fellowship of the tag. How are you doing tonight, Will? Uh, guys, I am good. How are you all? Man, <laughs> we are great. Right. It's been Other... a good day. We've been working on writing. Uh, we do have a book that we will be our next Baptist and Reformed book. We're still working on it. It is engaging the Areopagus, and it is encouraging apologist, which is a term that we actually are striving not to employ as much in encouraging Christians to do the work of the apologist, which is to proclaim the gospel, defend the gospel against doubt. Yes. Yes. You know, when you say that, uh, I'm reminded of uh, R.C. Sproul came out with a book um, a while back called Everyone's a Theologian. Mm -hmm. And I, I really think with what we should do with Missouri Baptists is is make them understand that everyone is an apologist as well. Yep. That's right. Um, yep. Well said. In, in every sense of the way. And, you know, as I've talked with, you know, uh, with many people um, that everybody does apologetics when they are doing evangelism, when yeah. they are talking to people, their loved ones, because naturally we have to break down uh, some sort of misbelief that they believe in. Uh, if it be another religion or something else, we eventually have to break down those walls to share the truth with them. So just like R.C. Sproul, and maybe that should be a, a book idea for me to to start writing out, is saying not just everybody's a theologian, but everybody's is, everybody is an apologist. As yeah, well, well everybody's a theologian, therefore. They are a, they mm-hmm. are an apologist or whatever, but yeah. Well, that's awesome. So, you know, you're talking about apologetics, and uh, you haven't been on the show in quite a while. So, you know, let's just start this thing off. Introduce yourself. Um, who are you? What do you like to do? What are you doing? Well, uh, well, my name is Will Hoffman. I am a pastor at Rising Sun Baptist Church here in Mid-Missouri. I am also president of the Apologetics Network through mm-hmm. uh, our Missouri State Convention. Um, and I do, what do I do? Man, there's a lot of stuff that I do. There's a lot of stuff that I love to do. Uh, right now, I am getting a little crazy into a, and maybe we should keep this on the download for anyone listening, but Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, <laughs> I've got a Gary DeMar book that I need to give you because he does. it was not a fan of Dungeons and Dragons. 
yeah. think Gary, either Gary DeMar or Gary North. Uh, I've got it on my shelf. I need to send it to you. The 80s yeah, would, Theonomists. Yeah, them. I would love to look at it because, you know, there's so much and now it's in the mainstream and um, it's definitely more mainstream than it was back when I first started. Um, but, but yeah, there's also those, you know, those little tracks that you, we always see at the grocery stores and stuff. They actually had one for D and D one time. Um, but you know, D and D, you know, I, my normal stuff of, you know, trying to evangelize through video games and, and all the, all the fun UFO and Mm -hmm. cryptozoology, uh, all that fun stuff. That's, I mean, I got a lot on my plate. It seems like, uh, just trying to narrow it down and get some writing done, uh, continue to serve the Lord at my uh, local church. Um, and just, you know, when I look at my calendar, I'm, I'm thinking months out now and, and that's insane that mm. I'm like, okay, I need a, I need a plan for September in May. Wow. And yeah. that's kind of what I've been doing. Wow. Tell me a little bit about, you've been in Jeff city. You've been shooting some things for the Missouri Baptist, uh, Missouri Baptist Convention, but more specifically for the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. Tell me a little bit about that, if you don't mind. I know this is just kind of, I'm just uh, doing a little bit of a shoot here, but uh, if you know, you get that since you're a, a wrestling fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and that too. Uh, big wrestling fan as well, uh, uh, but the real wrestling, pro wrestling with chairs <laughs> and and tights. Um, but uh, but no, yeah, um, about. What was it about? Well, a week ago is when I shot the scene for the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. And it's a strive on our part uh, to to make the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network more household name known uh, Mm. among our Missouri Baptists. You know, one of the things that we've noticed even in the past, uh, well, since COVID started, uh, our our good friends at the Jehovah's Witnesses have uh, called every network member, I believe, yep. has called almost every Baptist pastor um, in the state. They have sent letters to households uh, within the state, and I mean, I'm guessing also nationwide as all. And I've I've gotten calls from pastors in my local association and other places about, you know, I just got this call from this guy, you know. And it threw me off, threw me off guard. What, what could have been a better thing that I could have said? Um, so we want, we want to be that household name within, within the pastors and the laymen and, and the churches in Missouri Baptist. When that stuff happens, they go, Hey, we know who we need to call. And they can go to the, the Missouri Baptist or the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network section mm-hmm. on the Missouri Baptist Convention website and look at all of our pretty faces and mm-hmm. look at our list of what we're interested in and what we have, uh, um, I guess you would say, expertise in and to call us. So we're, we're shooting these videos. Uh, myself, uh, I believe one of our newer uh, network members, uh, Hannah, I believe is her name. Uh, and if, and if I butchered that, you you threw me in on the spot. Yeah, I need to look up I, at that uh, last edition of the uh, pathways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because she was she had an article in there, yeah. and um, so her and I uh, were filmed on on separate days. So I I didn't see her part, but um, 
you know, we're just trying to get the the network name out there so that everybody in Missouri, when they come across a time where they need someone with expertise or some sort of skill, um, they can call us and they mm-hmm. or they can download our resources from the website from the ne- uh, network network members personal pages. Yeah. So we we have all of that available, but we just need um, the network's names in people's minds and in their mouths when when these things come up. So that's why we're shooting the videos. We're doing a lot more stuff. Um, you know, you just saw our, our pathway article, uh, big spread, uh, that had you, you two in it, had, a, had myself in it. It's on the wall uh, up yeah. here. You can't yeah, see it on the camera, but it's on, yeah. no, you yeah. can see it. Yeah, I see it. But you know, stuff like that. I mean, just that, you know, article in the pathway, uh, that big spread in the pathway, um, has gotten noticed by even Midwestern theological yeah. seminaries. So, yeah. so this stuff is what we're trying to do to continue to get the word out about apologetics and how we can be that that frontline defense for Missouri Baptists, so that we can kind of go into battle, that we can help train, that we can that we can you know give people the weapons they need to to when falsehoods come. Yeah we can we can share the truth or yep. they can share the truth to um, destroy arguments and every lofty opinion against the word of god yes you know, that's that's what we're here for um but anyway yeah we're talking a lot about um our apologetics network here in uh, missouri i mean we it's it's awesome we have rob phillips he's written tons of books on tons of different topics um done a really good job there he's got the apologetics toolkit um, and he's done this for a long time. It's on his like third or fourth edition. I'm thinking it's third edition um, that that one's on. So he's been at it a while. And then we've got now, you know, you as being a president, you are vice. I am what, the, secretary the secretary treasurer. We don't okay. have a vice president. Okay, we don't have it. So he's say, so I mean, we've we it's taken a long time, but now it's you know slowly getting organized or whatever. Over Twenty members on the network yeah. now. When when Adam joined, there was about ten, and yeah. you know, uh, Will, you were early on. As well, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know if there was, you know, was there even eight to ten when you joined as well? I mean, yeah, yeah. So you know, the, it's something that's uh, flowered um, here in Missouri uh, pretty well. But you know, uh, here we wanted to uh, bring something uh, to light on the podcast, especially um, just uh, Will stepped in um, with just some, you know, being a fellowship of the tag uh, guy. And now we're just utilizing uh, some dudes or we'll take ladies too, um, who are apologists as well. Um, but as we, you know, build our little network up, um, but, uh, he wanted to step in, he's talked about Mormonism. He's talked about UFOs or paranormal issues. And, um, you know, just, uh, with him being on Twitter and have a lot of fun and being a president of the, uh, Missouri Baptist, Baptist apologetics network, uh, he's been following Leighton flowers, which we haven't talked about in a long time on our show. And so he brought something, um, that he thought he'd want to talk about as a fellowship dude. So, this is one of his uh, things he's put together. So uh, we're thankful for you, Will, um, with all the time uh, that you don't have <laughs> you took <laughs> and spent on, uh, you know, just a helping us with tag your it just to produce more content um as we uh, go along too and so it's something that we've talked about we get to bring you in on it and so um that's what we're talking about tonight we're talking about um texas apologists anyway and uh whenever we say texas apologists um in certain circles uh you know who we're talking about and we're talking about Leighton flowers you brought this thing and so um you know the the floor is yours will and so you know bring this up um we're talking about Leighton flowers so you know 
just bring in that information. Who is he for the people that uh, maybe have not been a part of Tag Urit um, ever? <laughs> well, yeah, and and I want to I want to say this because yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want this to come off like I'm I'm just trying to beat up or I'm trying to start a fight because uh, I I've went many avenues to try to talk to Leighton Flowers um, had just a few back and forth on Twitter, but, you know, personal messages and stuff like that. Try to try to talk to him, try to ask questions. And, you know, when, when we started, you know, when, when Rob Phillips started the, um, the Missouri Baptist apologetic network and started getting people on board, we, we all were very excited. I remember, uh, our first time we had a booth at the, the annual meeting. Yeah. We we pretty much told everybody there's only two states that have a dedicated apologist uh, thing within their convention, and that was us in Texas. Um, now, Lane Flowers, he is the he is the director of evangelism and apologetics at the the Texas Baptist uh, Convention. Um, he also runs a a podcast, um, Soteriology 101, and in the past. I would say, well, I mean, it's always been a thing since he since he's been an apologist, since he has um, done his uh, podcast, that he was a a former Calvinist. Uh, now he uh, discusses soteriology from a provisionalist viewpoint, yeah. and and then in uh, in parentheses he says that is the traditional Southern Baptist view. Now. I, I, I have issues with this because, you know, I, I am a Calvinist. I, I yeah. try not to hide it. Um, you know, I, I love all the Calvinist authors, but even how I became a Calvinist was not like I picked up the institutes and started reading them and I went, haha, I'm a Calvinist. Um, you know, actually I I started my Christian walk um more on the the non-calvinist side of southern baptist because you know most all southern baptists at least believe in two two to three points or two and a half points however they like to say it yeah uh and i i too had that idea that you know if you were a calvinist or you believed in calvinism everybody was a puppet and yeah. that was that was the argument that i stuck with and it was actually the help of one of our other uh, network members uh, real early on in my Christian faith, um, uh, Chris Bass, mm -hmm. a Dr. Chris Bass, um, who we were working at a youth camp together. He was actually preaching the youth camp. I was actually a, a counselor at youth camp. And, you know, we were talking back and forth about something. And I remember the exact location. And I said something about, well, you know, I, I can never be a Calvinist because I don't, I don't believe that we're all puppets. And all he said was, and I'm, this is drilled into my head, um, all he said was, well, I'm a Calvinist, and it's not, that's not what that means. Yeah. Maybe you should really look at it. And that's all he said. So that was like my journey to, to look into, you know, quote unquote Calvinism, because again, I didn't go to the institutes. I didn't, you know, read up on Spurgeon and everything that he wrote and stuff like that. The things that that brought me to Calvinism and and eventually made me just say, okay, I'm I'm full board Calvinist, uh, because it's the easiest way to describe it. You know, what side are you on? Are you reformed? Are you non-reformed? One well, in the Baptist 
life, you either, you know, we normally all say every Baptist church says, I believe in total depravity and uh, preservation of saints or as they say now, eternal security. Yeah. Um, so they're like, well, we are at least two points. So we can't say, you know, you know, uh, you're Calvinist or Armenian, you know, you're, you can't say that within the Baptist. It's just Calvinist and, and non-Calvinist. Yeah. But the two th- the two places that made me just go full in, well, I'll say three. Um, the first one was God's knowledge, that God is all-knowing. Um, because I, I completely understand that if God is all-knowing, then he knows all things. It's, that's the way it's said. Uh, the second one was uh, Acts 9, Paul's conversion. There was no God-shaped hole in his heart. There was no looking for something else. We knew what what uh, Paul or Saul at the time, what he was going to go do. You know, there was none of this, uh, you know, oh, uh, I, am I having second thoughts about this? No, God confronted him and changed him on the road. There was against his will time period because as he tells Ananias, you, that is my chosen instrument. Yeah. I chose him to do this. Uh, so I went and I changed his heart and all that gave him a new heart and all that fun stuff. Uh, and the other one was James White. You know, I, I started listening to a lot of James White, um, especially when I was a uh, pastor in, in Utah, um, because he had, he's, you know, started his ministry and, uh, Alpha Omega ministry with doing Mormonism, going up to general conference. So I started listening to a lot of debates that he had on Calvinism and all that. And it finally got to a point where I, I, I wouldn't say I was like, I was still struggling with some of the points. I think we all know what those are. Um, but I finally said, you know what? I, I can't, I'm not going to fight against it anymore. Um, this is where the camp I'm in. Um, and again, I had not read any of John Calvin yet. I have not read a lot of Spurgeon yet. So when I say I'm a Calvinist, it's not because of these people. It's because of what the Bible said, Hmm. you know, what what the Bible clearly says and who God clearly is. So when people like, like Soteriology 101, uh, when they spend a majority of their time making anti-Calvinist videos and trying to disprove Calvinism and then coming up with new terms to make a new position, it starts to starts to make me a little more worried about what what my brother in Christ is saying, what he is what he's believing. And I and I say that my brother in Christ, because there's been nothing right now other than us being on two sides of the fence, uh different fence. Um, or the different side of a fence, if I can get that clear. Um, he's on that side, I'm on this side. Uh, but there's nothing to say this is straight up heresy yet, but it's getting to be a little bit uh, of a worry. Well, let me because, interrupt real quick, yeah. Will, because I uh-huh. want to make sure I ask a question and also just do a little bit of an internal summary because I think some of the things you're pointing out are really, really important when it comes to what I would say is your journey to embracing Calvinism. One of the key places you said was Acts chapter nine and the way you wrestled with that text. Were there other texts that really began to, to work on you? And I'm talking stepping away from the commentaries and jumping into the text itself and then looking at and talking to other people, uh, were there other texts that really uh, began to speak to you? What does that mean? How do I understand that? Does that make sense? 
Yeah, well, you know, some of the other texts that jumped out, I think, are some of the most common, you know, uh, of the Reformed texts that we all kind of point to, uh, Romans 9, mm. you know, even Romans 8 and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, nothing had affected me like Acts 9 did because mm-hmm. because it pointed. And and then even going back to to points in the Old Testament uh, where you see God God working on people in a in an active way, not of this in a sense of, Oh, I'm looking for something more. I'm looking for something deeper, you know, uh, right off the top of my head, you know, Moses comes out and, Mm -hmm. you know, the burning bush sort of scenario. Um, so, so there's, there's a lot of that stuff. And well, and I mean, Jonah is a clear, clear example of, again, God going against somebody's free will. Your goal was not to, prove or disprove Calvinism in going to the text. It was, what does the text say? Yeah. And exactly. that became the primary source. And then there were these secondary individuals that you went to. And, and is that how it works? And tell me just a little bit more about why, because of your journey into this, it becomes so, of, I, I want to say, I don't want to say offensive, but problematic for you in dealing with uh, latent flowers. Well, you know, I, I think we all have, we all have friends who are, who are, you know, that don't believe in Calvinism like we do. Um, and we, we still strive to, you know, worship with them or we strive to um, do evangelism with them or, you know, something, something along those lines. Um and we can see past that, but we don't we don't spend our time attacking their viewpoint as much as I believe uh, Layton Flowers has. Yeah. Well said. And I, I really I appreciate what Layton Flowers does. Uh, I've you know we've we've talked, we've been friends on on Facebook for years now. Um, and again, you know, friendship on Facebook, who knows what that's really worth anymore. <laughs> uh, but it just seems like in the past couple of years, there was always like, you know, he'd go after James White and and stuff like that. But I, I've never seen someone in the past year go against Calvinism so much, in which, which seems to be, and, and this is where I struggle because I've watched him do an interview just the other day with a another professor uh, at a school. Uh, that they are friends and they were very, you know, cordial with each other and stuff like that. But then it's kind of like you see this other side when he makes these tweets and when he says these things and when he just misrepresents Calvinism. Uh, and that's part of the part of the problem I have is just this misrepresentation of Calvinism uh, on straw man theology. Yeah. It's saying, well, hey, you know, I, I'm going to throw this out there and then, you know, and then I'll never look at it again. But then also going into, you know, creating a system, which, I mean, if you're a creative person, you know, I guess more power to you, but then trying to say that that is the traditional view of Southern Baptists yeah. when that is not true, um, that, that is documented, not true. I, I mean, we've had, we've had, you know, non-Calvinists, we've had Calvinists. Uh, all within leadership of Southern Baptists. We still do to this day. I mean, the last election we had was a a debate on the Calvinist side, and as they said, the the Billy Graham side yeah. of the Southern Baptists. Um, but to say that this is the traditional view, 
uh, that, you know, everything else was just came from this resurgence of Calvinist belief in our convention is not a true statement. Yeah. Because and we've had we've had early presidents of the the SBC who, you know, uh, didn't really say if they were straight Calvinistic, but they it said that they appreciated Calvinism and learned Calvinism and even, you know, in some of their messages taught Calvinism. Yeah. Uh, and then you had other like starting members of the SBC who were Calvinist and who were strong evangelist. So to say that this is the the only traditional view of Southern Baptists is and it's an untrue statement. Yeah. yeah and um, it's uh I just wanted to share though and I've shared this on here before we've talked about this before um anyway but uh we have a uh, it's an awesome book written by Tom Askell uh forward, or afterward by uh Tom Nettles anyway which he gets into the how to relate sort of with one another. So this is a very good, um, very good piece, very good book to read, but it's called traditional theology and the SBC, um, gets into history and everything. And, uh, you know, the, the, the issue with Leighton flowers trying to like, we're, we're trying to take words and redefine them. And this is a really good resource to get, get into, uh, just the discussion of, SBC life today, um, people, uh, what people are claiming, you know, the, the past history, um, that we're claiming. And so I just want to let everybody that's listening. I know I haven't talked about this on the podcast. Um, if you have, if you're new to the podcast, uh, traditional theology and the SBC, uh, by Tom Askell. Will very help. quick read, yeah. very good read. Um, yeah. outstanding stuff there. Yeah. And that'll help within this debate anyway. But you know, if, if we're getting into, um, again, the uh, whole traditional Baptist theology, you know, you can go to uh, just a quick uh, Google search away. Um, there's a thing called a comparison chart of the Baptist faith and message. If you look at 1925 but, uh, and then 1963, you look in the doctrine of man and there is a shift in the 1925. Um, it talks about how uh, it says that whereby his posterity inherit a nature corrupt and in bondage to sin under the, un, and are under condemnation. And, and that is a, that's some language that was taken out from the 1925 in the 1963. So um, if we're going to talk about history here, um, the 1925 is an admission of total depravity that then got taken out. So if there is a position that's traditional, we're going to have to say it, hangs more on the Calvinistic Baptist side of Spurgeon, uh, 1689 coming down to the Philadelphia coming into the New Hampshire, um, tradition and then into the Southern Baptist convention. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, this, this is not a new argument. Yeah. Um, it, and it's always been kind of that thing where you will see some pastors who are very passionate about it. Um, yeah. And, and you, then you have pastors who, like I, I think of uh, Spurgeon, who was a very strong Calvinist, who preached it from the pulpit, but he, he deemed himself and others deemed him a evangelist before a theologian. Yeah. And and even myself, I the, this was not like the area. Like if you go onto my page on the the network site, it's not you know Reformed theology is not one of my topics uh, because I had never. There, there's much smarter people than me that can that can say these things uh, that that know the traditional views that that know all those big words. You know, I I love 
to study Mormonism. I love to study Jehovah's Witnesses and Scientology and and going off into that out of the box stuff, you know, UFOs, Bigfoot and ghosts and all that other fun stuff. Um, so this was never in my like I did not want to be part of this debate. You know, I, I know how to talk about it. I know how to defend it. I love it. I I think that the reform view is a beautiful picture of what the Bible says. Yeah. But when I see it so viciously attacked, yeah. And you know, sometimes when we post things on Twitter, it it becomes an echo chamber. But the thing that I get worried about is that again, we we were so excited that we could be on the same level as the Texas Baptists. Now that the Missouri Baptist has a has a apologetics network, man, we're just like them. But I'm getting worried that Texas no longer has an apologetics like section. Yeah, yeah, it's more uh, of a head to me, and it's one of those things that to me it looks like you have more of a head hunting section, exactly, and that's what, know, when, that's the sad thing um, that we have to end up talking about in this in this discussion. Yeah, and when when you see someone that you you highly regard as a a brother in Christ, a fellow apologist, someone you would go into battle with, um. And yeah, you could have things differently, but you don't want to then wake up in the morning and see, hey, while you were sleeping, I was attacking everything you were saying. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I don't spend my time, you know, going against my my non-Calvinist brothers and making, you know, either making stuff up or creating a new system to say, hey, you are wrong. Yeah. Uh, and even even clips that he has on there of, looking in the Bible, I can't find Calvinism anywhere in this. What's well, really, you know, it's really interesting, Will. And I know you have a many things that you've laid out for us to get to, but it seems that this is an area where there is disagreement, but there is grace. In other words, at the church that I pastor, um, you don't have to say I am a five point Calvinist and sign some type of a in-depth soteriological document about being Southern Baptist and being a Calvinist. It seems like, for me anyways, what is most concerning today is that someone like the head of evangelism and apologetics in a state convention has dedicated their entire ministry mm. to trying to pick at a point of contention that really shouldn't be a point of contention and make a point of contention in order to split a group of believers who are unified about getting the gospel out to people. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a really good friend who um, works for uh, a Baptist college and he is, he is non non-Calvinistic and, but he, he has been talking about how great it is to, you know, have a, a Calvinistic brother that he can ask these questions when, when he comes across something, maybe one of his students has something come up and they ask him and he, he can reach out to me, but we still have fellowship and we still trust each other enough to say, Hey, you know, when we have these events, you know, I'm going to call you, you're going to call me, we're going to do this stuff together. And we're going to go, we're going to go win souls together because we know what's important. Yeah. This, this thing we can talk about and we can joke about and we can throw memes back and forth at each other, but you know, he's not spending 
a good chunk of his day uh, bashing me. And mm-hmm. I'm not spending a good chunk of my day bashing him because we love each other. We we have this Christian love for each other that goes across these, these you know, some would say secondary issues. Some would say they're, you know, theological issues. Um, but, you know, we, we have to find that common ground where we can all say at some point, hey, you know, we could be wrong. Um, but I'm not going to bash you about, you know, if you're wrong or not. Um, and I'm not going to make these videos about this. So, you know, we have to we have to find this common ground so that we can do the work of the kingdom. Um, but again, you know, one one of the reasons I, I reached out to you and I said I think I want to talk about this is because the the Twitter back and forth or lack thereof of provisionalism and what does that mean and why you know why and and he says on his website we recognize the shortcoming of labels so he made another label uh which which i'm sitting there and he goes i don't like i don't like uh the opposite view i don't like the the armenian view but i i closely identify with that but there's still things that i i don't like about it so i'm going to make up my own label yeah even though we know the shortcomings of labels uh to then say, okay, well, now we're going to proclaim that this is the traditional Southern Baptist view. Um, this is the proper view, and and Calvinism is is garbage and can't be found in the scriptures. Well, this yeah. is what is most disconcerting to me when you say the traditional Southern Baptist view. This is why it's a problem. In other words, what they're actually arguing is that Throughout all of church history, everyone got soteriology wrong until about 75 or 100 years ago when the Southern Baptists somehow figured it out. That's what you're saying. Yeah, we, yeah, you, you, both you and I, you know, you guys and I both know this. We heard the same thing happen in, what was it, 1820s, 1830s, um, you know, with Joseph Smith. Uh, and, and this, this, this thing that worries me is when people start making up their, a new label, when people start making up new things, we see them go down this route of just kind of taking in more stuff and trying to find people that will, will say, yes, I, I believe in that, or I'll buy the t-shirt or I'll buy the bumper sticker because a lot of things now is, you know, online shopping and doing all that stuff. So we'll make a t-shirt and, you know, you'll have a provisionalist on it or hashtag provisionalism or, or whatever. And honestly, you, you start looking for people that are like-minded yet some of these people that he is now, you know, retweeting and associating with are straight up open theists. Yes. Um, and when you, when you start looking at the, when you start looking at this free will argument that people have, that that man is ultimately free, that no matter what happens, um, he is free, he can do what he wants, you have to start admitting that he is the and, and they hate this word, which I can understand why, you know, they're 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 a syn- synergist. It's all yeah. about them. They yeah. can do what they want. Mm-hmm. They can make the decisions for themselves. And when push comes to shove, shove, it's it's about them, and that they can basically say, "Hey, God, okay, now I'm ready for you." Yeah, and that's and, you know, and that's that is uh, you know, if you're listening to James White, you know, he has done so well to say that it, it's not Calvinist Arminian. It is 
monergism versus synergism. What does the Bible um, say about that? Um, but what I want to get to here is because uh, you reached out to me, and this is kind of mm-hmm. like whenever we were like, okay, definitely you're going to be a fellowship of the tag guy. And so you sent me a meme anyway. And so um, I had given up on Twitter and following all this junk, um, my blood boiling. I have some, you know, you, you, everybody's already like, you can go back. I still pretty much is, am the same um, on my thoughts and opinions of uh, Leighton Flowers here. Um, so that's why I, I, that's why we have you <laughs> to come in yeah. on the show um, and, and, and share your interactions, your story um, and bring all this stuff together. But you sent me um, a picture of a tweet anyway. And so let's just, uh, this, this is the way Leighton Flowers argues. Um, this is constant all, all the time, every day. This is it's the a only, man. yeah. And this is the only, topic he's talking about anyway well and that's very Um, interesting real quick yeah if you go to the missouri baptist apologetics network you'll see nobody trying to make an issue about soteriology you have the different components and things that people can deal with from textual criticism to ufos to how to organize an apologetics conference it's all there yeah yeah and so you know it's kind of a one string banjo that I have a problem with and we've already sort of uh, hit that anyway but uh, here's here's kind of how his tweets go and then uh, we'll we'll jump into the rest of our conversation out of this but uh, we've got a here's a tweet from Soteriology 101 which is Leighton Flowers and it says uh, every system appeals to a mystery our mystery is how does God foreknow the free choice of creatures Calvinist mystery is how God is good since he controls all choices. I'd rather admit ignorance about his abilities rather than create doubts about his character. Um, and this is, this is riddled when it comes to Calvinism. Again, does God control all choice? That is a straw man. Again, showing his ignorance of the position for one, but there's, there's many more problems, but that is like the glaring issues because after years, you know, this isn't just the past year. This is years. And he he is resistant to listen to James White, which he debated, um, or anybody on Twitter that's trying to talk to him from, you know, the opposing side. He doesn't, it seems like he doesn't care about the opposing side and to listen and to dialogue. Um, he asks very trite, quick questions um, that really deflects a lot of people and he kills conversation. That's, so that's my opinion coming out, <laughs> definitely. Um, but well, y- you take it from here. Well, yeah. So this was the tweet that made me kind of snap because I, I had I had kind of dialogued with uh, Soteriology 101. And, and I'll be honest, I that is Lane Flowers' is his ministry, his <laughs> podcast. I don't know if he always runs the Twitter. I'll give it a benefit of the doubt. Um, but this was like the tweet, one of the tweets that made me kind of snap. And I said, reached out to you and I was like, okay, I, I need to talk about this. <laughs> um, because, because I reached, I, I replied, uh, and you can go to this tweet um, and you can look at the replies. He never once, uh, as I ask him direct questions and I've asked him numerous direct questions, even about does he, does he hold to the Baptist faith and message 2000? He will not respond to me. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's because I, I don't say good enough things or smart enough things or what, but what he does is he'll allow other people that follow him that that side with him 
answer for him and then he will like it. So I know he's looking at the conversation, but he's not engaging with direct questions that I have for him. My direct question for him on this, and this is probably paraphrasing because I don't have this up, uh, up on my computer right now, was going to Job 2.3. If you read Job 2.3 and it says this, then the Lord said to Satan, this was the second time Satan came to him. So after all the first stuff happened to Job, says, have you considered my servant Job? No one else on earth is like him, a man of perfect integrity who fears God and turns away from evil. He still retains his perfect integrity, even though you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. Is God still good? Because in this set of scriptures, you see, and we, we all know what happens. Satan comes to God. Uh, which uh, that's a whole de- talking point in itself mm-hmm. uh, and goes, Hey, have you seen Joe? Now, again, this goes into God's knowledge. If God is all knowing and the Bible gives us those promises saying that God will never give us anything that we cannot handle. Then God knew that Job could go through all the stuff he went through. It was clear. It was easy to see that. So then when, when God gives Satan permission to destroy everything except for, except for Job, uh, eventually, you know, even hurting Job's health and, you know, you know, causing his body to have, uh, you know, all those issues. Um, God still said, when you incited me against him to destroy him for no good reason. God said, although you did it and I allowed you to do it, it was because of me and it is on me that this stuff happened to Job. So in this, in this verse, God clearly says, basically, I did it. Is God still good? Now, I think every, every Calvinist in the room would say, yes, God is good. Because God is God. And, and the thing that I, I've learned more being a, you know, a Calvinist, being, being Reformed, is that when things happen in my life, God is still good. Because if I'm going through a hard period, God has my best interests in heart because he has that plan for me. He has that purpose for me. I am going through this stuff because he knows I can do it and I can get through it. There is no mystery and there is no doubt there. We are not causing any doubt by saying you're going through this hard time because God is mean or he's a big meanie that, you know, that is, that is dumbfounded to me that anyone would even say those words of saying, I'd rather have ignorance on the, on his abilities than create doubt like you Calvinists do. That's what he's saying. Yeah, and and as I like engaged with somebody else about this because again, Leighton Flowers, our soteriology one hundred and one, would not answer my question. They would only like other people's. They continuously this this person that engaged with me would would misrepresent Job, the the scripture of Job, not Job the person, but the scripture saying, "Well, no, God said it was Satan that did it." No, it clearly right here, God's own words said that he that you incited me against him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that is, is a, a clear 
quote from God. Yeah, it's the same is deal God with good. Yeah, it's the same deal with Abimelech. Whenever God talks to Abimelech, and the only reason why Abimelech didn't do anything with uh, Sarah was the sheer fact that God kept him away from Sarah so that he would not sin against God with her because of the issue of being just called Abraham's sister, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and God said, no, I kept you. So you, you're, it's a constant theme through scripture and it's a normative theme through scripture that God does guide things through. And this is where we get into, you know, primary, secondary causes and all those kind of things whenever we're going to get technical and talk about it. But God is, sovereign over all of these actions and he does admit that he does things that we don't necessarily like but at well, the end look of the at, day look what's, at the end of genesis yeah. that yeah. the end of genesis is clear on this yeah. you know you have you have joseph who was thrown into slavery thrown into jail forgot uh, about all, yeah yeah all all of this stuff happened to him and he still said in showing grace to to his family you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good mm-hmm. because God is in control. And then and, ultimately in Christ, whenever you get to acts, the same thing. Exactly. So, so this, this apparent mystery that Calvinists have that we can't d- explain are we, and, and the thing that really upsets me about this is that saying that we create doubt in the character of God. No. We don't. We we do not at all. And I'm highly offended that anyone would say, you know, well, we would worship together, but you create doubt about God because, you know, he, he controls all. I'm okay. Let me put it like this. You don't have to create uh, doubt. <laughs> <laughs> I am fine with God uh, being in control of all things. I I am fine with God being all knowing, knowing that you know, any action that takes place, he knows the outcome. I have no problem with that. But the thing is, is that when we talk about God's knowledge, when we talk about who God is and all these events, even, even in the, the soteriology provisionalist viewpoint, you know, God's knowledge either has to be that he knows all things. And I, I, whenever I hear somebody preach that, the God looked down the corridor of time to see what you would do. Well, guess what? God took an action. He's not all knowing. Yeah. Yeah. He had God to had something. to obtain knowledge that makes him not all knowing. Mm-hmm. If we want to, if we want to put God down a peg, then we are able to put ourselves above God. Yeah. And he can't deny himself. He says, so even if he had some sort of ability to shield his knowledge, he wouldn't have an ability to shield his knowledge. Well, and, and that's another thing. Yeah. That's another thing that Lane Flowers, and I, I meant to find this tweet and bring it up and, and give it to you, but I, I completely forgot. Um, but he's kind of went on this, this kick as of late of saying, uh, can God create a being that is apart from uh, oh, his determined will? Um, so basically saying, can he, can God create somebody that he doesn't know the final outcome of that person's life? Basically what you're, basically what you're saying is, can God stop being God? Yeah. Can God deny himself? And what has he already clearly 
demonstrated revealed. by his nature and decreed and made very clear. The issue that I have with the meme kind of starts a little bit different, and it is the idea of free choice. If we allow scripture to be the ultimate standard that defines our words, if the word or the concept of the idea of free choice is counter to scripture, where do you derive your understanding of what choice is? There becomes the problem. So you set up a fallacious argument, you set up a very poor syllogism, because that's what he's attempting to do here, is to, to set up a somewhat of an informal, informal syllogism. But his statement, our mystery, is how does God foreknow the free choices of creatures? The problem with that statement is, what is your definition of free choices? From a biblical worldview, from a Christian worldview, we'd want to define free choices according to Scripture, not according to man's reason or man's arbitrary definitions. Therefore, it's um, logistically, it is invalid from the very beginning because the definition of free choices doesn't come from the biblical definition of free choices. Therefore, we can't follow the rest of the argument through. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I think I can I can kind of give you an insight of what on on their website, Soteriology 101's website, uh they have their like articles of faith and and things of that nature. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's called articles of faith, but uh uh their article on free will says this. We affirm that God as an expression of his sovereign uh, sovereignty endows each person with actual free will, the ability actual. to choose between two options, which must be exercised in accepting or rejecting God's gracious call to salvation by the Holy spirit through the gospel. Now, one Scriptural of the things proofs on that, um, I would have to look at his website. This was just oh, what yeah, I, sorry. I, I wasn't trying to make you unprepared. I, yeah. I apologize. No problem. I, I have his, you know, his website pulled up so I could find this stuff. Um, and, and luckily he does have, um, he does have it. So scriptural proofs that he has is Genesis 1, 26 through 28, Numbers 21, um, 8 through uh, 9, uh, Deuteronomy 30, uh, 19. And then there's a lot more, uh, Joshua 24, 15 for Samuel eight, uh, one through 22, second Samuel 24, 13 through 14, uh, Esther three, uh, 12 through, uh, 14, Matthew seven, 13 through 14, 11, uh, chapter 11 verses 20 through 24, uh, Mark 10, 17 through 22, um, Luke 9, 23 through 24, and chapter 3, verse 34, and chapter 15, uh, verses 17 through 20, Romans 10, 9 and 10, um, uh, which I thought he would have stayed away from Romans, but uh, that's a different topic. Titus. Uh, <laughs> oh, he to, loves Romans. That was a great debate. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to call it that, sure. Uh, Titus 2, 12, and Revelation 22, 17. Now, I, I know I kind of... I read all those out and I'm, I'm sure not everyone is writing that down. I just don't want him to come back and say, well, you misrepresented what I said. Um, you know, so he has that uh, and about free will, but you know, the problem with that is then he does on his website um, hold to eternal security. Yeah. He says, we, we do, we deny that the Holy spirit 
sealed relationship can never be broken. We deny even the possibility of apostate. Now, if you throw so much on free will and the free will of man, and I've, I've had this discussion with uh, our, our local Methodist pastor um, because they hold a lot on free will. They put everything on free will, the free will of man. So if you have the ability to choose between two options, you must also have the ability to, if you are a Christian at some point in your life, choose to leave the Christian faith. Because if not, then God has to hold you against your free will, which is against what he is saying about free will. So there's a lot. And I, and I mean, I've had that argument a lot from my non-Calvinist brothers of saying, you know, if, if this is what you, if you're going to believe totally in free will, then you have to say at some point a person can say, hey, I'm not a, not a Christian anymore. Yeah, and yes. it's a, and it's a, this is an issue that is found in um, the traditional theology of, in the SBC um, book that Tom Askell wrote, and this is you know the exact thing that I've talked with people too. Um, free will is free will, unless if you are going to say, well, once you become a Christian, you give it up, but you're not saying that. And yeah. so again, like this is why the logical conclusion to uh, you know, to this idea is that you can lose your salvation and well, for one, that's not a Baptist thing. So you can believe it somewhere else, but not in the SBC as far as our, the BF and M still has that language in there. Um, even though we've kind of hit the front end and messed with it, but we still haven't met with the back end of, of these, uh, doctrines and stuff. You do have to, hold to free will libertarian free will across the board and say that you can wiggle yourself out of Christ's hand. Yeah. I mean, and then, you know, whenever I, whenever I get to preach on, uh, eternal security or preservation of the saints, you know, I, that is one of my favorite things to preach on, uh, as a pastor, because I, I understand, you know, even as the scripture says in John six, you know, nothing can take you out of my hand. Um, that's including you. Yeah. You cannot take yourself out of your hand. And especially if you have the love of Jesus, if you truly know what that is, you will not ever leave that. However, I understand if I'm going to put my whole belief system on the free will, free will of man and that I can make the decisions for myself, then absolutely, then yes, it, even if I know the love of Christ, I could still leave it because that is my free will. And how dare God hold me against my free will? Because that's what they all say about it. How yeah. can God hold a person against his will? Well, if you say that you, we deny even the possibility of apostates, then God can hold people against their free will. Now, I, I will clearly say we look at the book of Jonah. That is God holding somebody against his free will. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but what he did is he, he molded him and shaped him up to that process to then throw himself off the boat. Mm -hmm. So God got what he wanted and taught him the whole time <laughs> through that whole process to then get to Nineveh and still be mad because he's a sinful human being that God is being the free potter of. Well, and exactly. again, a very interesting comment always for me about the book of Jonah. I preached yeah. through it about a year ago, maybe, yeah, maybe a little less than that, or a little more than that. Sometime, it was probably sometime in 2019 that I preached through Jonah. 
it's always interesting to me. Uh, I believe that Jonah writes Jonah, and there's a lot of good reasons to believe such a thing. And if that is the case, and I'm being somewhat hypothetical, Jonah demonstrates, look how evil I was. I didn't want to do that. Even in the end, he's left in a bad light. Um, again, I think that that's very much God's inspiration yeah. to demonstrate, look, look how bad I was, but God still used me through all of my hard-heartedness. And I think yeah. that's a beautiful picture at the did, end of it. Sorry. Yeah, did, did Adam didn't and mean Eve, to, to rabbit trail there. Yeah, did Adam and Eve sin and then go up to God and say, sorry, or did they run and hide? And then you get mm -hmm. to John and it says that you don't come to the light because you're afraid that your works will be exposed. But everyone who does come to the light know that all they, they know that everything that they've done has been in God. Mm. So, I mean, that's just the constant theme. We're talking about the constant theme of scripture that totally gets obliterated by this stuff because man wants to hold on to themselves. And this is the, you know, this is the air of that teaching and it, it keeps people floundering because whenever you are counseling people, people are in a position where they don't know what to think. They don't know where to go. They don't know how to act. They don't know. And we can preach to them. We know what God's decreed. We're not really appealing to a mystery. The problem is, is um, it's not a mystery. God has spoken. God has decreed. God has revealed. Deuteronomy 29, 29 again. What is revealed is for us and our children. God has revealed it to us. He has given us the knowledge. And ultimately, he has given us the Holy Spirit as a down payment so that we have the guarantee so we don't lose it, right? But then again, he is the one that has given it as the gift. It's a grace that no one is owed. So I don't assent to information. This is a this is a different worldview taking the Bible into itself. Again, this is the Roman Catholic view. This is the Thomas Aquinas issue of taking Greek philosophy or you, but prior to that, taking taking Plato, Aristotle, Epicurean, Stoics, and then trying to use those lenses to view what the gospel is versus the gospel itself telling and informing you how to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's you know, like like I said at the beginning, it it was not like something I wanted to. You know, I I love Reformed theology. I think it's you know. Early on, reading John MacArthur, which I, you know, he's Calvinistic, he's not Reformed, but uh, uh, but then listening to R.C. Sproul and having that sort of stuff shape me, even before I knew what these terms was, and I was, I was struggling with, you know, you know what Calvinist is, and you know, although those mean people, they just think we're all puppets. Then coming to realize that that we serve a God who is all knowing, who is, um who's all loving that he would, he would save his elect because let's be honest, we were totally deprived. We, <laughs> we've all turned. I mean, the Bible makes that clear um, from the very beginning. We have all turned on God that he loves us enough to, to send a son to die for him. And, and even at the second coming, I was just reading this the other day. Uh, actually, about that uh, a video that got posted uh, in in our little chat thing uh, by another one of the the fellow the fellows, um, you know, talking about you know Jesus's return that he sends out you know his his heavenly army to gather the elect. 
you know, we we have a God who is who's bigger than our knowledge. I I understand that. I don't know everything about God. I can admit that. Mm-hmm. And I I'm big enough to say I could be wrong uh, on things on on theology. But as I read the scripture, as I as I've grown, uh, as I've studied, as I've went through, you know, Bible college and seminary, as I have you know been shaped by the people around me who are on both sides of the fences, I've looked at this God of of Calvinism, um, and, and that sounded really weird as it came out of my mouth, because <laughs> uh, I'm sure that could be taken out of context. Oh, but, heck yeah. But yeah, but the, the God, you. yes, uh, hopefully all the listeners do, but I'm sure that's a soundbite that could be twisted uh, every which way. But as, as I look at God and I, I, you know, I remember when I, when I sit there and I was sitting in my office, just finished a podcast listening to James White. And I finally just said, okay, that's it. I'm, I'm full on board with this, <laughs> you know, five point Calvinism stuff. Um, there, there was a point where there was just this, this time of relief where I, I wasn't, trying to make sense of everything. And I, I, like I said, there's much smarter people than me that can debate Calvinism. And, and by no means am I trying to say, Hey, I want to debate Leighton flowers on Calvinism because I'm the poorest of choices. You know, give me a Mormon. I will, I will debate every day and twice on Sunday and preach at my church. (laughs) But, you know, give me that because that's my specialty. But, you know, this is the system that I fell in love with because, again, Acts 9 shows us here is a man walking down the road. He is going to, as even the King James says, he desired to have letters to throw the believers into jail. He did not have a God-shaped hole in his heart. He was not looking for anything else. He was wanting his way of life to go back to normal. He was he was a zealot for his cause. He even says that himself. Yeah. And as he's walking down the road, uh, the road to Damascus, God comes to him and confronts him. According to provisionalist, Paul could have said, No, I'm good. And then God would have said, Oh, um, I need plan, someone else. Yeah, plan B. <laughs> there has to be a plan B in provisionalism because Paul could have said, you know what, God, um, uh, no, I, I can choose what I want to do. But we know that God said, this is my chosen instrument. I will show him all the hardships he will go through to get this message across. Therefore, when God created, and this is what it comes down to, when God created Paul, uh, at the moment God decided to create Paul, he knew exactly where Paul's life was going to be. Mm-hmm. Now we have to ask ourselves, did he create Paul to do that? Or as uh, William Lane Craig likes to say, was God just given the hand he was dealt? Yeah, the uh, the mediator card dealer, as I guess White, exactly. White uh, chooses to say about Molinism. As well, so, so there's yeah, an, so another if, entity in eternity. Exactly. So if we know that, if we know that God is all knowing, there cannot be anything that God has to do to have knowledge. 
He cannot gain knowledge. Are you taking one step farther and you say, well, we don't know that God knows the end. Yeah. And then you're an open theist. But then God's a liar. I'm the Alpha and Omega. Being yeah, end, yeah. You know. See, there's a lot of lot of lot of problems yeah. with open theism and declaring the and I'll be honest, ending from the beginning, from yeah. ancient times, things not yet done, saying my counsel will stand, I will accomplish all my purpose. And that's why, therefore, the test of a prophet is what it is, because it should um, bear the character of God. That's right. Well said. Yeah. And and my fear is that if if Leighton Flower still continues down this path of man's ultimate free will, then he will admit to being an open theist. And then we'll I mean, have he's, he's already, tons of people yes. to do the same. Picking it, picking and, them off too, picking off like the weak ones. So this is but, like exactly what um, Paul instructs Timothy to fight against. So that's why exactly. he's doing what we're doing. And, and the, the reason I'm worried about that is because he's already starting to retweet people that, that, don't profess open theism, but when you when you push them enough, they'll say, "Yes, the knowledge of God is open." Yeah, yeah, that's so, an open theist. Yeah, and I and, mean, uh, and that's what I'm worried about, and and that comes from a genuine worriness for the Texas Baptists, um, because I I've, I have friends within the Texas Baptists. Uh, when I ask them these questions, they they say, "Yeah, he's he spends a lot of time on Calvinism. He kind of has PTSD yeah. uh, about the subject." Uh, I I'm coming at this not from a, I want to bash Leighton Flowers, but that I'm worried. Um, I want to see him stand strong uh, for the the SBC. I want to see him strand uh, stand strong for the Texas Baptists. Uh, I want to see him as as a Missouri apologist, as the president of the Apologetics Network. I want us to work hand in hand with them. But I'll tell you the truth right now, from what I've seen, is I would not recommend their apologetics because nope. right now it's, you know, as much as people can look at this and say, well, you're just bashing on Leighton Flowers. He's been bashing on Calvinists nonstop oh, for yeah. the past how many it's been, years? It's been years. It's been definitely years since I've been following it. Cause it was, I think it, I'm trying to think when that debate was, but that was, you know, whenever I first encountered that and then just going and following him and just seeing what he had to say, it's, it's been a long time. So, you know, uh, it, we don't want to repay evil for evil. Um, we do want the best for anybody. Um, but we do have to distance ourselves. We do have to tell the truth. And, you know, it's like, again, I would never work with the guy, um, right now. Now I can I can hope for the best for him. I can pray for the best for him. Uh, me personally, I I can't work with him. You know, if, if there was ever, I know he's not looking. I'm nobody, so he's not looking to me to work with me or anything. But you know, that's just what I've got to put out there. Me, it's it's not just I wouldn't recommend. Like no, I wouldn't work with him right now um, because of what he has done. The uh, one string banjo nature. He's not offering any other resources about any other topic. Yeah to help anybody out. He's not being helpful. Um, he's only creating division. And, you know, like, that's why I say, I don't not just recommend him. I say, stay away, stay away. But at the same time, pray for him. He's created in the image of God. Um, he is around people that can give him and give him this stuff if he is willing to take it. Um, but if he's not willing to take it, I have to go, what's in his heart? What's, what's going on? But then again, the long game, 
um, you know, God brings his people to himself. Um, and people do get humbled by God and they come and they are thankful for everything that God unilaterally does to them. And that's what the scriptures mm-hmm. teach. So, you know, we can, we can sow in hope. We don't have to just write them off and uh, throw them away or anything. Um, but we can, we can, like, as a Calvinist, we can, we can work with both. There is no dichotomy in this. Mm. Um, so we can, we can, we can love for, we can, we can send them love. We can pray for them. We can offer grace while at the same time we say we can't work with them. Um, we can't recommend his stuff. Um, but you know, so that's, you know, there is no dichotomy. It's just, we live in a fallen world and we're dealing with it until Christ comes. Right. Yeah. Will. So, but yeah, what we need to do, um, you know, there's a lot more stuff that Will has put together, and so yeah. we need to do an, a part two yes. and just kind of reorganize um, and get a little bit more. Sorry um, if I got you tight, off some of your no. notes. I, <laughs> no, I really was, was not trying no. to. <laughs> no, I, think no I, I honestly, looking at my notes, I think we've hit a majority of, and just not in order, which is, yeah. which is great because you know this was just kind of you know some of my thinking and some of my ideas that you know the the whole you know what is provisionalism, you know, is kind of the stuff we missed, you know, just like breakdown of it, but and that's part two. Let's, uh, <laughs> yeah, let's get back together, um, on another time, uh, probably say July or something like that. And, uh, like, let's hit this, let's organize it. And, uh, let's, uh, present our listeners at tag your it, um, and the Missouri Baptist, you know, what is provisionalism go through the things let's, uh, offer counterpoints, and objections and all that kind of stuff. Let's, let's do this because what would you, my question is, what would you like to do? Like, what is the outcome? Say if Leighton flowers does get to get a hold of this uh, podcast and part two of the podcast, what would you invite? You know, what'd you like to see? Well, I mean, honestly, the first thing I would like is if I ask you a question, Leighton, uh, answer it. Um, you know, I, I, I just want a straight answer on, do you follow the Baptist faith, the message 2000, Mm. um, a a statement that we all as Southern Baptists, we hold to. And as we, you know, here in Missouri have had long meetings about, uh, our entities holding to, holding to this document. Um, if, if you believe if you're a Southern Baptist, um, do you hold to the Baptist faith, the message 2000? You know, and and again, if if we can have those conversations and say, okay, well, let's let's break down this stuff, and even just have a conversation of saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, Layton, if you know, if you want to have a conversation and say, you know, between a provisionalist and a Calvinist, and I'm not going to debate because you can find better people to debate, uh, but I would I would love just to sit down and talk and have a cup of coffee and 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 do this stuff and come to a spot where we can disagree um and i can recommend your stuff once again yeah well said. that would be my ultimate goal yeah and i mean uh the debate challenge from dave and i still out there um we've loved just if, if lane flowers gets a hold of this episode position of calvinism versus yeah, provisionalism or something you, you know and, i will i will moderate that debate uh that would be my my contribution to it because i think you you two when you debate you are you are excellent uh and i think i think that would be great i'll I'll moderate it um and but that would be my contribution (laughs) to it um but you know my ultimate goal is to say you know layton 
you know, I, I have questions and I'm not coming at it just from, you know, a, a pastor or because there's a lot of other pastors that have these same questions. Uh, and I'm not trying to throw titles around or anything like that, but from the president of the Missouri Baptist Apologetic Network to the director of evangelism and apologetics, my first and foremost question is, do you, do you hold to the Baptist faith and message 2000? Yeah. I have, I have many other questions that I've asked on Twitter that you have not, you've either not answered clearly. Um, and there's some that I've had answered by reading your, your website. Um, but first and foremost, the, the Baptist faith, the message 2000 as a Southern Baptist, do you hold to it? Uh, working for a state convention, do you hold to it? Um, that that's, that's number one. Yeah. yeah. Do you hold to it according to the framers intent would be yeah. an important element as yeah. well, because exactly. I know that he's friends with folks like Mike Lacona that say they hold to the 1978 Chicago statement and go to ETS and don't hold to it according to the framers intent. Yeah. Which yeah. is dishonest. Which I mean, we're totally, you know, at odds a lot with like say Norman Geisler, but come on the, the yeah. Chicago statement, dude. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, oh yeah, you know, right on the, the, the whole inerrancy issue. Um, you know, I'm I'm really thankful that that's where you know you have Adrian Rogers, Norman Geisler, all those guys that we're definitely on the other side from. But when it comes to inerrancy, holy moly, yeah, yeah. They, spot on. Yeah, so, yeah, no, right so on. That's awesome, man. but yeah. Well, uh, and you know, I I will say this: having read through like a lot of a lot of his thread today of, of different things. I do know that he has said, um, and this is not a quote, uh, but, you know, there there's not room for, I guess, within the Baptist faith and message for people to that disagree with it or disagree with elements of it as Southern Baptists. And I would like to say, hey, you know, tell me what you disagree with. I would, I would love to talk to you about it. I would love to understand um, this and I'll be honest with you, Layton. I can't. I can't watch a three-hour video on you know your <laughs> stuff. My the way my day is, you know, I I got a lot of other stuff. I'm I'm trying to get done and sitting down and watching a three-hour YouTube video is not on my list. Hey, um, one point five speed takes that down to like two hours and fifteen minutes. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I do I do appreciate that he is he's tried to make shorts, you know, like short clips and five minute clips and stuff like that, which I I appreciate and I've watched and I've watched his debate uh with James White. Um or I think I listened to it when Alpha and Omega put it out um on Sermon Audio. Um but I've you know I've watched other things here and there. Um but I mean, having a conversation, having some clarity, um, just wanting to understand more, um, that is always my position. Cause I love to, I love to figure things out. I love to, you know, look at this stuff, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, my, my ultimate, my ultimate goal would to be say, you know, although we disagree, I, I recommend, um, Soteriology 101, um, but as of right now, I can't. I can't in good conscience recommend his stuff. Well, they're not going to do anything besides soteriology. Soteriology 101. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, even even with Texas evangelism yeah. and apologetics, um, you know, the state leaders there, um, are you okay with your your apologetics guy spending a majority of his time just 
bashing Calvinist. Are yeah. there no Calvinist in uh in Texas? Oh wait, Tom isn't Buck. Tom Buck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so so Texas Baptists, uh are you okay with your director? You know, and I will say they they've had some uh evangelical conferences and stuff like that. Um, you know, but it's not spotlighted because uh, Lane Flowers' whole kick is let's bash Calvinist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good good spot yeah. to end on anyway. But yeah, thank you guys uh, for taking your time yet again with us. And, uh, and Will, great you know, content. Thank you yeah, so much, is, brother. I really appreciate well, the hard you work you've me. done. Yeah. Hey, you really did exactly what we talked about yeah. on the phone like last week. You led the show, and that was outstanding. Yeah. Really appreciate that. So yeah, uh, look for more of this uh, with the Fellowship of the Tag. This is an awesome thing um, that uh, we're, we're just absolutely thankful um, for the community that God has brought around us so that uh, we have other people with brains uh, who study scripture, who love scripture, who want to know God um, and who know who, who know who they are because they know um, God. So um, that's a wonderful thing. So again, we have Will Hoffman here. He's one of them. We've got Brandon Dodd and uh, Josh Jenkins as well. We'll sure we'll add some more people to the mix with different uh, little specialties to bring to the to the table, but this is, I think definitely, um, is more edifying, brings more content, more diversified content. Um, we like to stay uh, diverse on that to where there's always a little bit of something because we know, uh, at some level, there's going to be some conversation in a, a Missouri Baptist or just anywhere church, um, where they've heard something on here and we can just be a small little help. And that's all we really are thankful for is if we can be just a small little help, um, in a conversation, a situation. Um, and you know, we've heard those stories and it makes me smile every time, maybe get a little emotional about it. Just like, Oh, that actually helped. Oh, you know, but it's, it's just really awesome to know that, um, um, God's means are being used. Uh, and that only just, shows you god's word is true and will um, is going to be moderating our debate at the missouri baptist annual meeting yeah. right before Woo. the pre-conference and we're working on that looking forward to uh continuing to progress with that yeah i i am excited for that um uh, you know it, it's it's crazy uh because our our missouri baptist annual meeting in october uh that is like a little getaway relaxation for me which is as crazy as it sounds because i have meetings <laughs> and we're moderating a debate and doing all this stuff it, it is kind of a i get to get away for a little bit i get a hotel room i can sit there you know uh i just wish they would have it like on a week that my wife is off so she can go with me but uh yeah i get to just kind of sit in a hotel room for a little bit maybe maybe get some food and and relax. And that is amongst all the, the meetings I have and, and helping run the booth and all that stuff. And, but yeah, it's weird that I think of it like that. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you so much for all you do as a director of the Missouri Baptist Apologetics Network. And you know how we end this thing. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. And all I want right. to say thank you for everything that you all do too. So grateful. you all are great, uh, great help. Uh, Dave, you're my right hand man. I, I love you, brother. Uh, Adam, you are running this thing, and I, I love your uh, barber capes that you have. Yeah, uh, those I enjoy are awesome. seeing those on Instagram. <laughs> but yeah, I know how you end the show. Yeah, so well, anyway, this is the Tag Your It podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And we've got Will and Soli. Deo. Gloria. Gloria.